When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Will we ever be able to move on from Sunday? Probably not, but we'll give it a go. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. I'm Yaz Rana and today I'm joined by two very special guests, a former England captain in Mark Butcher and a man who is described as a legendary saxophonist and a one-time social secretary for the Australia team in a recent edition of Wisdom Cricket Monthly, John Altman. How are you guys? Thanks for coming on. Very good. Very good indeed. What an intro. Right, yeah, great to have you on. This is supposed to be an episode where we look ahead to the Ashes, but we can't ignore what happened on Sunday. England are world champions. John, where were you when it happened? How does I, it feel to say that? Amazing. I, I was sat at home watching it, um, gripping the edge of the seat, as, th- as I think most of the population were, whether they were there or at home. It was, it was, I've never seen anything like it in my life. It was extraordinary. Is that the most you've enjoyed watching one game of cricket? I don't know if I enjoyed it. I mean, <laughs> so definitely the wrong word. It put me through the ringer a bit, I have to say. Um, I mean, I, enjo- I enjoyed the game against Australia because it was so comprehensive and so, you know, men against boys almost. But the final, I knew it would be tight. And tight doesn't really begin to describe how it was. Birch, what about you? No, I was home. I was home nursing a Titanic hangover. Uh, a very good friend's birthday on the Saturday night took me down. Um, and then, I, you know, I spent the sort of... But basically, I watched the first half sort of dreading what was coming because I'd, I was asked the night before but, and, and the, uh, the event that I was at, you know, how do you see tomorrow game? And I said, well, if it's, if, it's a, if it's a belter, if it's a good pitch, we are the best team in the competition. No question about it. And we will and we'll smash them much as we did to Australia in the semi-final. I said, however, if it plays like the last pitch I saw a match at Lords, which was New Zealand versus Australia, um, uh, much earlier on in the competition, beautiful day, packed house, um, I said, we'll, be, we'll have trouble because it, uh, that type of cricket, as New Zealand showed in the, uh, in the semi-final against India, um, New Zealand are more than capable of, of, of turning us over. So, you know, belter, we win, tough pitch, we could very easily lose, you know, you could very easily lose the toss and lose the match. So, you know, obviously for about 30 overs of New Zealand's innings, I'm watching what's happening and thinking 240, 240 is a really good score. They get two, they get 241. Um, and I'm just thinking, man, this is going to be so hard. And uh, yeah, and then spent the sort of the rest of the afternoon sort of wearing the carpets out in the house, yeah, just I'll, pacing up and down. Yeah, I did a lot of pacing as well. Colin DeGran, I'm genuinely bold, one of the all-time great World Cup final spells, which I didn't think I'd say before going into the game. Um, John, is there, was there a single moment from the crazy last half an hour that, that sticks out? There were about six that... The, the, Alone oh. could be there are the, so the moment of the tournament, there, but there, is there, there one that stands out? There was the run that should never have been given, and <laughs> was, uh, but we'll I'm glad that. it did. And the the over was amazing, and the run out was spectacular. And I was just I, I've seen Archer a few times at Sussex, and thought this guy is the real deal. 
just all round, you know, ju- not just through his bowling. And I think he showed that on um, sun- Sunday. It was Sunday. Even though he's out Sunday. first ball, you know, it's odd to say something about <laughs> a guy who's out first ball that he's the real deal. But I think he is. And um, almost the missing piece. Now, if only Simon Harmer were naturalised, we'd have, we'd have the best <laughs> team in the world. Oh, blimey. Don't, don't go there. I, mean, I won't no. go there. No. We'll get on to Essex later. Uh, <laughs> has, has there ever been anyone who's, who's like a hero of English cricket who's not played a test match <laughs> like Joffre Archer? Well, it's very, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember the whole situation. When I used to play Bunbury cricket, my my sort of shared ride that I used to give a lift to was Joel Garner, which was interesting, fitting him into a Mercedes convertible with a roof on. And uh, I remember we went down to one game and uh, he was talking about a certain very precocious young England player who I probably shouldn't name and said he should be in the team. He's 17 years old, but he should be in the England team before he understands what fear is, because they won't pick him till he's got seven or eight years of fear behind him. And he instanced Chanderpool, who was inside at 17 and didn't have any fear of anything. And it's exactly what happened, of course. They picked this particular player when he was 24, 25. Who are we talking about here? Uh, Graham Hick. No, no, no. Because no. he wouldn't have qualified. Who no, are we no, talking no, about? no, no, no. It's somebody you know very well. Huh? Ramagash? Ah, there we go, yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh, on Joffre, he's been compared to McGraw. Uh, Gillespie, his coach at Sussex, rates him as a better red ball bowler yes. than a white ball bowler. He, he'll almost certainly not only play uh, in the Ashes, he's going to be pivotal. He's going to be a chances. very important without, part. Without ashes. any doubt. I mean, without any doubt. The, 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 the talk... You know, obviously, because it was a story, major, major story, England are thinking about picking a kid who's never played for England before. Um, you know, the, the sort of the rushing through or the, the alignment of the, the regulations to be the same as everybody else's. Um, you know, he, he does have a UK passport. His, his, it's his dad, isn't his it? Dad's his English. dad's English. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, that, that whole sort of controversy gets whipped up nicely and it, it becomes part of the story. Yeah. But really and truly, there, there's nothing, there was nothing untoward about that. The only thing was that most people hadn't seen it. Most people had no idea what we were talking about, what was going on. Um, first time I saw him play was down at Taunton for Sussex when it had one of his, one of his first games, a 50-over game, and he just kept hitting people on the head from sort of back of a length the ball just kept flying up out of a pitch that nobody else could get through to the keeper and we all sat there in the box going how is he doing that how, where is that coming from what's this all about yeah. yeah and so you know so in, in the process of the journey so I, was, I think that was about 2015 or 2016 I'd just come back from an IPL so in the process of that, he's gone off and played in the IPL. He's gone off and played in the Big Bash. And everywhere he's been, he's just kind of swan through it, um, you know, making people sort of sit up and take notice everywhere he's been. And so for, for those of us who kind of been tracking him for a little while, it was just an absolute no-brainer that he'd end up in the squad. So just after I finished my conversation with John and Mark, England announced their squad for the Ireland Test match. So to discuss that with me, I'm joined by Tara Hashim. Um, so England have named their squad. It's Root, Moeen, Anderson, Bairstow, Broad, Burns, Aaron, Denley, Gregory, Leach, Roy, Stone, Works. The 13-man squad, two of those guys won't play, most likely Jack Leach and one of the Seamers, Gregory or Stone. Um, Tara, I guess the... 
main headline news there is Jason Roy has got his first test call up. Yeah, Roy's in. Are any of us really surprised? I mean, no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So he had a world of a World Cup. He's been in form for, I don't know how long, quite a while. Um, And he's got really good Red Bull numbers to back it up as well. It's not just that he's in well in the white ball cricket. I I get that, but I feel like just the way he sort of went after attacks in the World Cup, especially the big thing was the semi-final, the way he went after Australia, the way he took the attack to Stark, I feel like that probably penciled him in. And, um, you know, if we're brutally honest, there there aren't too many other options, is there? So, are there? So, uh, it's... Dom Sibley perhaps feels a bit aggrieved. He scored more runs than anyone else has in county cricket this year, and he scored a lot more runs than anyone else. He scored 74 against Australia A as well. So, he potentially feels unlucky. Yeah, I, I I get that, and yeah, he got runs from the lines as well, which is which is a big deal. But you know, Ed Smith, he throws up these these selections, and and you know he's he's backed it up so far with the it's, it's, it's the Roy selection is sort of similar in that vein of of the Josh Butler one, and that one worked wonders. So you can kind of see the understanding, even even though Sibley has thrown thrown up some I guess really good numbers. Yeah. I guess it's Denley over Sibley, then, isn't it? Denley who scored 150 odd last week. For yeah, Kent. and. Uh, Joe Denley, sort of the forgotten man who's really not been forgotten because, you know, he was, he, he got like 15 West Indies mm. um, and then obviously was in England's World Cup squad, then wasn't. Um, a tough pill to swallow, I imagine, but now he's he's back in and uh, yeah, I, I imagine he'll be batting at three. Looking at that list, who else we've got? Um, Lewis Gregory with his first England test call up. He's, his numbers are amazing this season. He's taken 44 wickets, an average of 13.88. He's the captain of the England Lions, uh, and now he's in the England test squad for the first time. Um, are you surprised by his inclu- inclusion? Well, I mean, the, the numbers are pretty spectacular, isn't it? Something like 44 wickets in the in the county championship this year. Well, I, I'm just interested to see where he sort of slots into the lineup because you've picked a lot of bowlers. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of bowlers. There's not too many batsmen there. Like we could. You know, potentially see either one of Sam Curran or Chris Wokes in in that top in that top seven. So, yeah, you'd be you know bowling all around. You kind of be interested to see where he, where he f- slots in. And, and Moeen at six, it looks like in that eleven as well. So they have gone bowling heavy. I was surprised by Ollie Stone's inclusion. He were, he was selected last winter for the tour of Sri Lanka. Uh, got injured. He hasn't played much county cricket. So that's a that's a I guess a, a show of trust from the England selectors that they've included him this soon after his return from injury. In many ways, it's quite heartening to see because you sometimes get these fast bowlers that come up and they've got this reputation. And Ollie Stone, when he came into that uh, that Sri Lanka ODI squad, it was like, oh, can he get into the World Cup now? You know, he bowled he that one really good. Yeah, ball he bowled Dick that Weller. one really good. Always oh, quick. You know, yeah. let's get him in. Uh, and then he gets a stress fracture and then, you know, we forget about him. Yeah. England, go on. They win the World Cup. Joffre Archer, yeah, 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 whatever. And though, and Ollie Stone's back. So it's quite, you know, it's quite nice to see, maybe, you know. Uh, he's back from a stress fracture. Um, and yeah, we'll see. I don't know if he'll, he'll actually play, though, but it's good to see him back in the reckoning, yeah. And Sam Curran as well, player of the series last summer against India. It's a bit odd, isn't it, that he probably doesn't get in England's 11 for the first Ashes test yet. He's done really well recently as well. He's called a half century and he took a six for against, yeah. England, against uh, Australia A. I mean, I was thinking that the other day, like how, how does Sam Curran actually get back into this team? Because he is obviously called, he was called up as a bowling all-rounder, but it was really with a bat that he impressed. And does he get in England's top six, top seven? Ah, which is, it sounds ridiculous to say he was player of the series last summer. He's just a very odd player. Because, <laughs> yeah. So even for the, in this England Lions game, he has taken 50 and 
taken six yeah. wickets, which you, if anyone else yeah. does it, you're like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. But with him, you're like, oh, yeah, but he still doesn't quite get in the top six. He's, yeah, he's still yeah. what not is really he? in the... We don't um, know what he is we yet. We don't know what he is yet, um, but, but he still consistently produces match-winning performances. A couple of the World Cup lot get a rest. Butler and Stokes... Uh, Mark Wood has picked up a size rate, so he's actually out for four, six weeks, which basically means his ashes is over, um, which is a real disappointment given how w- well he played in England's last test in salute show. Yes, yeah, just the, the Mark Wood story is kind of, it's uh, yeah, it's a tough one because he's he was brilliant at the World Cup. Mm. Uh, I mean, the headlines were with Joffre Archer and, and rightly so, but um, Mark Wood from the other end was, was pretty special too. Mm. Um, yeah, massive shame we won't see him because this... This whole sort of fast bowling, you know, England's mm. express fast bowlers versus Australia's fast express fast bowlers, that's that's gonna be an interesting battle. But now mm. Wood's out of the reckoning, so yeah, it's uh it'll be interesting to see what happens. And now Joffrey Roch is the first man in the history of Test cricket to be rested before his debut. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed that in the press release. Uh, you know, he's not been considered, but you know, he's getting a he's getting a nice rest, and he's you know already an England legend, yeah. having not played international cricket about three months ago. So go, moving forward to the Ashes, then we now have a slightly better idea of what the Ashes eleven will look like. Uh, no Sibley, I think, is actually quite big. He was in a lot of people's top three. We now oh, it's, it's hard to tell, but. Well, can you can you reel off an Ashes eleven? I probably could actually. So my my eleven would be uh, Burns, Denley, Roy, Root, Stokes, Butler, Bairstow, Moeen at eight, Wokes, Joffre, Anderson. So I don't have Broad in my eleven. Um, what what do you what do you think? You say no Broad like that's controversial, and some might say it's controversial, but I, I don't think it is. is. It? It, it, it not anymore. No, because. He averages he 30 the, yeah. in the championship this season and I kind of think that with Wokes, Wokes' record in England is so good. Num- and two, the way he bowled in the World Cup with the new ball, he was bowling test match spells, basically, and he was getting wickets like test match opening bowlers get wickets. Um, so I think he is ahead of... Archer picks himself, Anderson picks himself. Um, I think <laughs> I think he's quite lucky that Wood is injured as well because that's another player who I think probably is ahead of broad in the pecking order at the moment um what do you think well i just feel with with the fast bowlers it's going to be a quite a bit of chopping and changing um they've had a world cup and you know mark Wood's had the side strain uh chris Wokes has had issues with his knee mm. before so we will see quite a lot of rotation but there's, there's quite a lot of options to choose from now i mean looking at that world cup final just looking at that fast bowling attack you could almost think you know if those three fit then that could be your ashes yeah you know Fast bowling attack without James Anderson, yeah. <laughs> which sounds, you got to play yeah. Anderson. Yeah, of course Anderson. you got to play Anderson. Yeah, this is his. This is you know his final. Yeah, probably absolutely. his final Ashes battle. Absolutely. Well, um, we we now know our squad. We we now know. Uh, we, we're close to knowing who will be in the in eleven at Edgebaston. Thanks, Taha. We'll get back to our conversation with Mark and John. The Ashes starts at Edgebaston. Not a happy hunting ground for Australia. Alex Carey had a breakthrough tournament. Matthew Wade seemed to score hundred every time he bats. If it doesn't go well for Australia in that first test match, Tim Payne could be under a lot of pressure. Very much so, I, I would have thought. I mean, Carey looked the real deal during the series. I'd be very surprised if they didn't have him. Finch did nothing wrong all the way through. Um, he's possibly a c- captaincy candidate. Um, I think the problem before, when, when uh, Smith and Warner went, was that they were basically defaulting to oh well who who's ne- who's next on the starting blocks you know there, there was no real 
it was a panic and who have we got here do you want to be captain uh okay you don't want to do it what about you oh no you don't want to do it either i guess that whole leadership group to use that phrase was implicated in the cape town saga so well interesting i mean it (laughs) i i I had word from inside the camp about what was going on, but I probably shouldn't divulge what was going on. <laughs> no, you should, yeah. Well, no, actually, you should. No. <laughs> Cough it up. Maybe, maybe off the record, I should, I should say what, what, what happened in that room. But anyway, the but, point. The but point. Tim Payne, Butch. Tim pa- well, I mean, a, a extraordinary, really. Um, I think he's done a, a, a relatively good job since taking over in unenviable circumstances. But... Um, to pick somebody who was not even playing sort of first-class cricket for his state and who hadn't made a first-class hundred since 2006 was uh, was a tough well, it was a tough job for him. But it was an extraordinary call. Um, you know, I've scored more hundreds than him since 2006. True, there's no, there's no lie. <laughs> do, you, do, you quali- do you qualify for Australia? Uh, I don't know. I've got a little bit of a twang. I played for South Melbourne in 2003, 2004, so Good I've got enough. a claim. Um, <laughs> but no, the um, the, the the problem there was something that you could for, you could foresee this coming. You could if you made somebody captain in the circumstances um, under which he was made captain, you could foresee it happening that at some point in the future they were going to be concerned that he wasn't worth his place in the side. Might be a very good leader and might have sort of helped them through the the, the tricky patch, but wasn't going to be worth his place in the team with better youngsters coming up behind him and that if and that if you know if they do go down at Edgbaston which which they've done uh, many many times before um, you know the the pressure would be on him particularly given as John quite rightly said the way that Carey performed and held himself um, in uh, in in the World Cup so it's 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 something it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a scar a little bit of a fault line that England can have a real go at um, in the early part of the Ashes series. Mark, you played in four Ashes series. Uh, I, was, I was looking this morning, you've got a very good record in home Ashes series in particular. Um, from a player's perspective, how is the build-up different to an Ashes series to a normal home series? <laughs> well, the last, the last Ashes series I played in, 2000, at home, uh, 2001, I, uh, I found out about my selection on the Sunday before the Thursday. Um, because I think Thorpe injured, Vaughan injured, Ramprakash injured. <laughs> uh, there were one or two. There were one or two others. There might have been three or four other players. John Crawley, maybe there were four, three or four other players who would have been picked in front of me at that time. I was a long way out of the team, um, and uh, so I got the phone call from David Graveney. Uh, we want you to bat three, at, you know, Edgbaston on whatever it was on the Thursday. I was like, oh, oh, great. He said, um, I said, unfortunately, I've just, I've just bought a flat, <laughs> and I've got to m- take the keys and move in on the on the Tuesday. So is it all right if I miss training on the Tuesday and turn up on the Wednesday? <laughs> and he was kind of like exasperated. It's like, what are you, are you serious? I'd, I'd kind of made the decision in my head. It was kind of like, well, you know, what do you want me to do? But <laughs> my life has been a complete mess. Um, and, I, I, you know, I'm brilliant. I'm very pleased to be back in the team. But I'll, I'll see you Wednesday. Is that all right? Um, and they kind of sort of went, well... We haven't got any choice, really. Nobody else, <laughs> nobody else no is fit else. enough to play. So you, you just rock up when you like, Butch. Um, and I did. So in terms of the build-up, there wasn't really one for me in that uh, that last home <laughs> series. Nice. Um, but, but, but did you did, 
Did you feel more pressure playing? Did you enjoy it? Are no, you- I'd, I'd, I'd made the decision that having having got found myself back into the team entirely by default, that I was going to have a, a great time. I was going to enjoy it. I had no no idea how long it was going to last. Um, you know, I'd gone through all kinds of things um, personally and and in in my professional career up until that point including kind of remodelling the entire way that I I batted. And I just thought, well, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. Um, And, well, the test match went reasonably well for me. It went terribly for the the team. Um, And then after, you know, after coming back into the side in 2001, I, I didn't miss a test match for like 42 games after that, so. And your, your 173 at Headingley, was that your... The best you ever batted? Yeah, probably. Probably. Well, yeah. I mean, in terms of playing against an attack like that on a, in a last innings run chase, you're not going to get that happening too often. So, uh, yeah, for sure. And it was, um, it, you know, I, I have to thank my dad for it, really. I have to jump in on that very quickly, but I, I don't, I'm sure you do remember. But after you won the match, uh, you drove down with Mike Atherton to the club I was running on Monday night in London from Leeds. And got up and sang some songs. This is very true. It's, yeah, yeah. This I, is very I, true. I ran a little. I told what, you a night at the Ten Room, uh, way back, where people like Shaka Khan and um, Lionel Richie and <laughs> the Black Eyed Peas would come in and just let their hair down and jam. Yeah, on a Monday night. On it? a Monday night. Yeah. So, so right. he, to make his day complete, he scored 170 <laughs> odds and drove down from Leeds and got up on stage and sang uh, with us. See, those are yeah. the day. I said I was going to enjoy it and I did. He yeah. really did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember what you sang? Something badly, I should think. Um, I don't know. Maybe I don't know what we would do. We probably, it was let's probably get it let's get it on or something. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> I, I think I might have, I might have had a go at um, uh, uh, that L- the Luther the Van Dross tune and kind of forgotten the second verse or something. But you know, I'd had a couple of gins, <laughs> couple of gins by then. Play, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was, it was, yeah. It was the only place it would have been open on a Monday night, wasn't it? And we, and well, they it wouldn't. Was also, ch- the place to be on. It, a Monday of course, night. it was, and they wouldn't check us back into the hotel at Leeds no, because we'd, a, we'd all checked out Monday morning. Hightail it down to London. Yeah. And so and join our back in the days when you could actually get to London on, in, on the M1 in, in say, three hours. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John kind of alludes to it at the start over over a few years you've got to know the Australian teams quite well yes. H- how did that come about well it was very strange I mean I, I, I basically disappeared into the recording studios in the 80s and never emerged never had holiday or anything and round about 1990 I, I thought oh you know I could go to the West Indies and watch some cricket and so I went to the England West Indies series in Barbados and Antigua and it's right where Alec got the 200 where, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and it was just too many too many people let's say that in you know you couldn't get into a restaurant you couldn't go anywhere so I suddenly had a brainwave and thought well next year um Australia come and Australians hadn't yet discovered the West Indies as a tourist venue so you know I'll be able to get a table at a restaurant and have a good time so for one reason or another I stayed in the sort of little complex with them and um, I'd already got to know Mark War and Alan Butcher through, sorry, Alan Border, a Freudian slip there, um, through playing at Essex. So um, basically I was also playing in clubs at night because whenever I turned up anywhere I would always see who was there and a guitarist called Vic Linton who I'd known for years who was Billy Ocean's guitarist was there and Eddie Grant was there. So I wound up playing in clubs around 
Bridgetown and Antigua with, with all these people. And the Australian team would come down every night to let their hair down and have a few beers, a few hundred beers. <laughs> and uh, this, is, this is the pattern that emerged. And then when they came back for the 93 Ashes, um, I went down to Arundel to their first game and Ian Healy spotted me through the dressing room window and said, right, you're, you're in charge of our social life for the next three months, which is a very fatal mistake. Uh, who, who's the worst behaved of, of the Aussies? Well... <laughs> Where do you start? It, I don't know about worse. They enjoyed a good time. Let's say that. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, you know, the, the, the team was still very much in the, in the mould of the, you know, they were led, Alan Border was, was in charge yes, up until that point. Prisoners. So and you had David Boone and characters like that in the side. Warney had just come in. Warnie, uh, so yeah, it was, it was old school, wasn't it? Craig McDermott. Yeah, yeah. old school. And they liked to party. Oh. And I remember one night, um, I think it was the first day of the test in Barbados, it would have been. Uh, they bowled out the West Indies for 130. And they all came to my gig. And at four in the morning, they were all still at my gig. Slats. Uh, yep. <laughs> John, John, John Snow, um, who was very responsible, went up to them and said, uh, don't you think you guys should go back to bed? And Merv or Craig McDermott said, we've done our work. It's up to the batters now. You know, we're having a good time. By midday, the following day, they were bowling again. Australia were all out 124 in about 10 overs. And um, you had Merv coming in off two paces. Wow. Well, they, they won that series in the end, they? won they? the series. It was, it was... That was an incredible series. It I was an amazing series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was very lucky because I saw three series, Australia-West Indies in the West Indies. So I was there for Brian Lara's 150-odd that won the test by one wicket. Oh, wow. That was I was, amazingly, I was sitting in the stand, I think it was Antigua, when Kirtley Ambrose came in and flayed the bowling for six after six. And uh, Colin Miller, who, again, had suddenly, in, in his late 30s, found himself a test player, was fielding in front of me. And he was a great mate of mine, you know. And as he chased a bo another ball to the boundary, he caught my eye and went... This is great fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Just a sort of great reaction, you know. <laughs> that's amazing. Like you're basically the the social secretary of the the greatest cricket team that's I know. ever ever played well, the I, game. Well, I, I I would travel on the bus, and um, I remember we all got thrown out Stringfellows at the end of the, one of the Ashes series. I mean, that's a pretty good feat to get thrown yeah. out of Stringfellows. And I sort of took them to another club somewhere nearby. I can't remember where it was. But and you and you took them out to Worcester and Mark Wall couldn't get in? Mark Wall right? couldn't get into the club because he was wearing trainers. Uh, quite right too. Yeah, quite right too. And um, yeah, the bouncer said, you can't come in. I said, but do you know who this is? And he said, I don't care who he is, you know. <laughs> He's <laughs> not coming in. So we had, we had to go off somewhere else. Amazing. A wonderful tangent. Now back back to reality, back to Taunton. Uh, the England women are 6-0 down after three games in the multi-format Ashes series. They need to win the test at Taunton. Uh, they've called up Kirsty Gordon for the first time to a test squad. But how do you rate their chances? Do they, do they have any chance? Well, I mean, it's going to be unbelievably difficult. And they've, they've got to win the test match. So they've, they've called up Kirsty Gordon, another, another left-arm spinner. And it looks as though they're going to try try and play Australia on a, on a raging turner, which is probably their best chance. Playing to their strengths, though. Yeah, yeah, abso yeah absolutely. Um, you know, Sophie Eccleston's a terrific bowler as well. Um, my, my worry is for their batting, really. Um, they're, they're, um, 
you know, kind of sort of technically all over the place against a, a bowler of the, the quality of um, Elise Perry. And um, if they don't sort of straighten that out, if they haven't straightened that out since the Canterbury game going into the test match, it doesn't matter if, it's, if, if the pitch is going to be a turner. They won't make enough runs. <laughs> they were making up runs yeah. to make it count, and Australia are no mugs on in, in those conditions either. No. Um, albeit that their that their spin bowlers are not quite as strong as England's, but um, so yeah, they're they're up against it big time. Uh, Essex at the top of the county championship. Um, I'm very pleased because I, I I picked them for to win the championship this start of the season. The only thing I've got right all year. Um, Simon Armour's doing his thing. Yes. Uh, Gary Balance Ton helps Yorkshire to win over Somerset. That has put Essex on top, um, and. A young Amar Verdi in his first game of the season, first first team game of the season, took 14 wickets yes. uh, for Surrey on a, on a dust bowl at Trembridge. It was almost a, t- a game where the pace bowlers barely bowled at all. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, that's been bizarre. I mean, the, some of the, the you, know, I, I, you may have noticed, I've been a little bit vocal about the, the, the standard of some of the decks that were that were served up in the in the World Cup. Um, and yeah, for, the, for for spin to dominate. To that degree at Trent Bridge is also quite a surprise, but the, but yeah. sorry, I'd be very happy because uh, they've had a they've had a stinker of a season really mm. thus far, um, and you know to get a, a to get a championship win just before going into the to the blast, um, which starts Thursday, will give them a you know give them a bit of heart that there's something to be salvaged from the summer really in terms of potential silverware who knows and they you know they'll get Tom Curran back all of a sudden and, and um, some of the injured players Ollie Pope's back hitting balls again um, you know they, they will be stronger anyway in the second half of the season than they've been up until now John you're a big county cricket fan do you, you get to see quite a lot of it don't you I try to yes um, I was at the Essex Yorkshire game and um, again Harmer just looked the real deal I mean why he's not in, in South African on their radar is beyond me well I mean he became a Colpac player but that was partly because he wasn't playing that much test cricket beforehand and seeing how he's genuinely dominated county cricket for now three years um, he's he's almost not not everything he's basically doing what Sackley and Mushy did for a few years in county cricket like properly dominating yeah I mean I I think there's a lot to be said well obviously a lot to be said for having Alistair Cook in the in the mix he's a huge influence on some of the players yeah very helpful I mean, they, they, and they beat, you know, they, that was an incredible game at the end of this, the summer last year, the, the, the game that um, Sky televised at the Oval. Yeah. Um, you know, Essex turned Surrey over in that last match. And you just, you know, they're, they're a very, very resilient team. Yeah. There's no little skill in it either. I mean, um, Ryan Tender-Scarter is, you know, leads them extremely well. And to have Cook back all summer is just some, is something else. They're know? basically the same side that won the championship <coughs> in 2017. And now they've got Cook as and well. With I Cook mean, as well, so yes. Not, not a huge... Decent. <laughs> I mean, I guess the one thing really is, is Somerset. How do they react to that? You know, my, my feeling was that after they won the, the, um, the Royal London that... You know, given given the age group of the players, um, you know, given how close they've been on so many different occasions, that that might open the floodgates. And of course, they've still never won the county championship. How they react, having been knocked off the top, and having you know, they that their lead has been has been decimated, hasn't it, in the last few weeks? They were, they looked odds on to win it a month or so ago, and now they they've been knocked down a second. So a big reaction required from them if they're going to pull it off for the first time. Well, we've that got game against Essex will be interesting. Mm, absolutely. Um, thanks so much for coming on, guys. We've got a massive week of cricket coming up. We've got the women's test match, the island test match, and before we know it, we'll be into the men's ashes at Edgebaston as well. And Don't forget and the blast. And the blast, the blast. And the blast. For the last time, <laughs> possibly. I know, crazy. What a week. Um, what, a, what, a, what a ridiculous summer of cricket, and isn't it going well? John, thanks so much for coming on. Pleasure. Mark, cheers.
This has been the Wizen Cricket Weekly Podcast and we've been recording this episode live from Brigadier's Restaurant in central London. Uh, it's great. The food's great. Get down here. See you next week. Bye. Podcast Network.